Hello, and welcome to the Catholic Heart Podcast. This week's topic, the corporal works of mercy. First and foremost, a special thanks to Father Vaughn Sloan of the St. Bartholomew Parish in Wayzata, Minnesota, for providing us today's readings. Before we get started, let us pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed be the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Feed the hungry is the first corporal work of mercy. It was given to Jesus when he spoke to the disciples about the judgment of the nations. Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. And it stands at the top of his list. Hunger is a serious human need. It is crucial to eat each and every day and to have a well-balanced diet in order to grow normally, have energy, and enjoy overall good health. To go without a meal or food for a day leads to hunger pains and weakness. Going without sufficient food for a longer period leads to deficiency disease. And going without food for the long term leads to starvation and ultimately death. Hunger is not only an affliction of the poor, but also the victims of natural disasters, those unable to work, the oppressed and the displaced. It is no wonder that when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he included Give us today our daily bread. Matthew 6, verse 11. Jesus himself fed the hungry. A crowd of 5,000 was hungry. At the end of the day, he pitied them. And in his great mercy, he fed them from five loaves and two fish. Mark 6, 34 through 44. On another occasion, a crowd of 4,000 came to him. And he fed them from seven loaves and a few fish. Mark 8. 1 through 9. Spiritually, we feed them with his word. He fed them with his word, the gospel, and with his body and blood, the Eucharist. God, likewise, feeds the hungry. When the Israelites were starving in the desert, God fed them with manna and quail. Exodus 16, 4 through 15. All look to God for food, and in God's tender mercy and kindness, God gives food in due season, and with an open hand, God provides. Psalms 104, 28, and 29. The Bible includes memorable occasions when the hungry were fed. When Abraham and Sarah welcomed three unknown guests, they fed their hungry visitors with rolls, beef, and curds. Exodus 18, 6-8 The disciples fed the hungry with the daily distribution. Acts 6, 1 Many saints have excelled at this corporal work of mercy. Saint Nicholas is remembered for his compassion when a famine broke out in Myra. There were several ships anchored in the harbor filled with grain, and he was able to secure a portion from each ship to feed his starving people. St. Francis of Assisi and St. Anthony of Padua are often depicted handing a loaf of bread to the unfed. St. Elizabeth of Hungary also is revered 
for the merciful way that she fed the needy. Charity begins at home. To feed the hungry is to go to the grocery store and prepare meals for one's own family. Very importantly, charity extends beyond the home. To feed the hungry includes food donations to the local food shelf, volunteer work at a soup kitchen, or packaging meals. The distribution of dinners through programs like Meals on Wheels, food baskets at Thanksgiving or Christmas, or monetary donations to relief agencies. Those who feed the hungry will inherit the kingdom prepared for them since the foundation of the world. Matthew 25, 34. To give drink to the thirsty is the second corporal work of mercy. It was named by Jesus when he spoke to his disciples about the judgment of the nations. Matthew 25, 31-46 And he mentioned it four times. This physical need goes hand in hand with feeding the hungry. Over one half of the average person's body is made up of water. There is water in the cells, between the cells, and in the blood vessels. Water needs to be resupplied each day because water is lost through the kidneys and urine, the lungs and respiration, the skin by diffusion and sweat, and the intestine by solid waste. Inadequate fluid intake leads to decreased saliva and thirst, loss of fluid volume and electrolyte imbalance. As dehydration worsens, it can lead to heat cramps, heat exhaustion, heat stroke, and, in severe cases, even death. In light of the crucial role that water plays in health, it stands second on the list of corporal works of mercy. Jesus highlighted the importance of giving a drink to the thirsty when he said, Whoever only gives a cup of cold water to one of these little ones to drink, because he is a disciple, amen I say to you, he will surely not lose his reward. Matthew 10, 42. Jesus considered it a good deed to give a drink to the apostles, his followers, and missionaries. And Matthew considered it a good deed to give a drink to the members of his newly established Christian community. By extension, it is a good deed to give a drink to anyone, believer or non-believer alike. To offer a drink is a gracious act of hospitality. It places the other person ahead of oneself, and it is a simple and thoughtful expression of love. Jesus explained, Whoever receives you, receives me. Matthew 10, 40. When we give a drink to someone who is thirsty, we give a drink to Jesus himself. And when we love our neighbor, we love Jesus. Those who perform this work of mercy will receive a glorious reward, a place in the kingdom. The foremost example in sacred scripture of giving a drink to the thirsty is God's miracle in the desert. When Moses struck a rock and water flowed from it, Exodus 17, 6. God's mercy reaches to the heavens, Psalms 36, 6. And it is through God's mercy that we were given water to drink, Psalm 36, 9. Water is a precious commodity in the arid lands of the Bible. It was customary to offer water to a traveler immediately upon arrival. The prophet Elijah made a journey. When he reached his destination, he asked a woman there, Please, bring me a small cupful of water to drink, 1 Kings 17.10. And she did as Elijah had said, 
1 Kings 17.15. In other biblical examples, Rebekah gave a drink to Abraham's servant, Genesis 24.18. This corporal work of mercy is as easy as politely offering a guest, can I get you something to drink? It can be done by giving a baby a bottle, pouring a glass of milk, or giving ice chips to someone on their deathbed. It is also important to avoid wasting water. Access to clean drinking water is a major problem in many places throughout the world. And other aspects of this work of mercy include wells, pipelines, and water treatment facilities. Emotionally, nakedness is humiliating, and clothing eliminates the embarrassment and shame. Physically, clothing is needed to protect the body from the elements. Thin or lighter clothing is needed in sunlight to prevent sunburn and skin cancer. Heavier clothing is needed in cooler conditions to prevent chill, hypothermia, and frostbite. Work clothing is needed to protect from abrasions and slivers, and footwear is needed to protect from cuts, bruises, and falls. To clothe the naked as an act of mercy is firmly grounded in the Hebrew scriptures. Tobit instructed his son, Tobiah, Give to the naked some of your clothing. The prophet Isaiah, speaking on behalf of God, declared, The fast that I choose, clothing the naked when you see them. Isaiah 58, 6 and 7. And when the prophet Ezekiel, also speaking on God's behalf, stated, If a man is just, if he does what is right, he clothes the naked. Ezekiel 18, 5 and 7. Several biblical examples include the sons of Noah who covered their drunken father. The classic example is St. Martin of Tours. As a young man, he was a Roman soldier, and one wintry day he was riding on patrol and came upon a poor beggar at the city gate. The man was old, hunched, and almost naked, shivering and suffering from the cold. The beggar cried out for alms, but Martin had no money. With only the clothes on his back, Martin withdrew his sword and sliced his tattered, thick military cloak in two and wrapped one piece around the beggar. That night, Martin had a dream in which he saw Jesus in heaven, wrapped in the same cloak he had given to the beggar. An angel asked Jesus, Master, why are you wearing that battered cloak? Jesus replied, My friend Martin gave it to me. In modern Western society, there is a disturbing contemporary aspect to nakedness and modesty. Ironically, even though ample clothing is available, an individual may decide to wear only a few clothes, leaving more of the body exposed than appropriate. Parishes, schools and families, priests, teachers and parents need to educate everyone, particularly the young, about the importance of modest dress and honoring the body as a temple of the Holy Spirit. When it comes to providing clothing, charity begins at home with the purchase of adequate clothing for the family, and it continues with dressing young children and those with a sickness or disability that hinders their ability to dress themselves. Beyond the home, it includes almsgiving to organizations like the St. Vincent de Paul Society, the Red Cross, or a local emergency shelter. It is also desirable to go through one's closet and drawers periodically to gather clothes to be donated to Goodwill or other organizations that assist the poor.
The corporal works of mercy are charitable deeds that provide for the bodily needs of others, and standing on the top of the list of critical bodily needs are food and shelter. The fourth corporal work of mercy is to shelter the homeless, also known as to harbor the harborless. In the gospel, it corresponds to, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Matthew 25, 35. A roof over one's head provides protection from the elements, as well as safety and security. Shelter comes in a wide variety of forms depending upon the time and history and the geographic location. Caves, tents, thatched roof huts, igloos, teepees, log cabins, houseboats, apartments, barracks, dormitories, shacks with tin roofs and palaces. It is a terrible problem to be without adequate housing. And one of the most striking examples is the Holy Family. Mary and Joseph could not find shelter when they went to Bethlehem. There was no room for them in the inn. Luke 2, 7. Accorded no mercy, their substandard shelter was in a stable or a cave. When they fled to Egypt, Matthew 2, 13 through 15, again, they were without shelter, and it is presumed that through the tender mercy of Jews, they were given a place to stay. They eventually settled in Nazareth and enjoyed a permanent home. After Jesus left Nazareth, he needed shelter. Jesus alluded to his personal challenge with adequate housing when he remarked, The Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. Matthew 8, 20 and Luke 9, 58 Jesus had no home of his own. Many believe that when he was at Capernaum, he found shelter as a long-term guest in the home of Simon and Andrew, Mark 1.29. And while he was in Jerusalem, he found shelter as a guest in the home of his dear friends Martha, Mary, and Lazarus in Bethany. Luke 10.38, his hosts were angels of mercy. There were so many who lack adequate housing victims of disasters, the poor, the unemployed, the foreclosed, the disabled, military veterans, abuse victims, the mentally challenged, and, today, thousands of refugees from all over the world. There are many charitable groups that serve the homeless, Habitat for Humanity, the Red Cross, the Salvation Army, Catholic Charities, Catholic Relief Services and Mary's Place, and many more. It is a corporal work of mercy to volunteer or offer donations to these organizations. Mercy begins at home. It is as simple as parents providing shelter to their own children. Another way is to welcome an aging parent or a sick relative into one's home. Many saints, such as Saint Vincent de Paul and Blessed Teresa of Kolkata, are inspiring examples of providing care for those who can help shelter. Saint Joseph is the patron of homeless. If we hope to travel the road to sainthood, and if we hope to please Jesus, as to inherit the kingdom prepared for the foundation of the world, Matthew 25, 34, he asks us to shelter the homeless. The fifth corporal work of mercy was given by Jesus in his discourse on the judgment of the nations. For I was ill, and you cared for me. Matthew 25, 35 and 36. Other interchangeable terms include to visit or to comfort the sick. 
The original Greek verb could also be translated to you looked after me or you nursed me. There are a number of examples of care for the sick in the Old Testament. Through the prayers of Moses, his sister Miriam was cured of a scaly infection. Numbers 12, 10-15 The prophet Elijah cured Naaman's leprosy. 2 Kings 5, 8-14 The ministry of Jesus stood on several pillars. He came to teach, reconcile, and save. And along with these, he came to care for the sick. He is the divine physician. Luke 5.31 And out of his compassion for the ill, he performed this corporal work of mercy over and over again. He relieved a fever, cleansed lepers, healed a paralytic, restored a withered hand, cured a blood disorder, opened the ears of the deaf, removed a speech impediment, and gave sight to the blind. Jesus gave the sick such high priority that he often dropped what he was doing to give them his full and immediate attention. Once he was teaching in someone's home and a paralytic was lowered through the roof, he stopped his lesson and cured the man. Another time, he was preaching in a synagogue, saw a woman who had been crippled for 18 years. He interrupted his sermon and cured the woman. While he was making his journey to Jerusalem, he came upon 10 lepers. He interrupted his trip and cured them. Even at the place he was being apprehended, he interrupted the arrest to heal the right ear of the high priest's servant. Jesus shows us how to put other responsibilities on hold and to care for the sick the moment the need presents itself. The first apostles continued Jesus' care for the sick. Peter cured a crippled beggar at the beautiful gate, Acts 3, 7. The sick who were laid on cots along the streets, Acts 5.15, and a paralytic, Acts 9.32-34. Paul cured a man who was lame, Acts 14.8-10. Many saints have shown great love for the sick. St. Francis of Assisi was riding his horse when he came upon a disfigured leper. He dismounted, embraced the man, and immediately the leper's face was changed into the face of Jesus. St. Camellius de Lellis founded hospitals. St. Peter Claver cared for sick slaves. It is a high calling to be the face, hands, and voice of Jesus to one's patients as a doctor, physician's assistant, nurse, physical therapist, or paramedic. Care for the sick is not reserved for professionals. It is for everyone. It starts at home with the care of a sick family member, and it includes changing clothing and bedding administering medication, bathing, bringing food and water, or sitting at a bedside to keep company. It also includes visits to hospitals or nursing homes, or giving a ride to a doctor's appointment. Care for the sick is care extended to Jesus himself. To visit the imprisoned is a corporal work of mercy. Jesus mentioned it specifically when he said, For I was in prison and you visited me. Matthew 25, 35 and 36. Jesus has mercy for the least, those despised by others. Convicts rank high among the least. For the general public, when a criminal gets prison time, the criminal is getting what is deserved. The criminal needs to pay for what they have done. Jesus understands the brokenness of those who have done hateful things. From the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. 
Luke 23:34. Jesus wants us to have compassion for those in jail or prison. Instead of having an attitude of anger, retribution, punishment, or vengefulness, Jesus wants us to be merciful. We need to honestly acknowledge our own inclination to evildoing and admit, There, except by the grace of God, go I. Many of us are all lucky to be a step ahead of the law because all of us had gotten away with something for which we deserve to be punished. Inmates are real human beings. Prison time is hard time. It is lonely time. It is dangerous time. Prisoners need help, support, encouragement, and prayer. And as Jesus explained, a visit is a great way to help a prisoner. Visiting prisoners is not so easy these days. Security measures have been strengthened and access is restricted. A prisoner can place several names on an approved list of visitors, and volunteers can gain access to inmates only after training and background checks. So how can the average person perform the corporal work of mercy to visit the imprisoned? If you know someone who is imprisoned, and if you are on the approved list of visitors, make every effort to go and visit that person. Your presence is a great blessing. Consider prison ministry. Ministries include prayer services, Bible studies, retreats, religious book clubs, and pastoral visits. Step forward, offer your services, go through the orientation for jail volunteers, submit to the background checks, embark on a corporal work of mercy of visiting the imprisoned. Because security measures keep most people out of jails and prisons, there are spiritual things that the average person can do for those who are incarcerated. First and foremost, we can pray for those in prison. Pray that inmates in their isolation will know God's constant presence and love. Pray for their safety in the face of danger. Pray for their conversion as they deal with their troubled past. And as they deal with separation from family and friends, pray that they will receive forgiveness, a second chance, and continuing support. We can turn to St. Dismas, the criminal who was crucified next to Jesus, Luke. 23:40-40, the good thief and the patron saint of inmates, to intercede on behalf of those who are in prison. We can also turn to Saint Barbara, the other patron saint of inmates. We can also work to abolish capital punishment, support halfway houses, correspond with prisoners, assist the families of those who have someone in prison, and support parish and diocese missions to the incarcerated. The seventh corporal work of mercy is to bury the dead. It is different from the other six between. It is different from the other six because it is not given by Jesus with his set of judgment criteria. Matthew 25, 35-36, but was added later to round off the list to the biblical number of seven. Also, it is not directly to the bodily needs of someone who is living, but rather to the body of someone who has died. And with that, this episode of The Catholic Heart has concluded. And before we end in prayer, I ask that you look for ways that you can become a better Catholic, loving and serving the Lord each and every day. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed be the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, 
Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.